Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. We talk about leadership, business, and human potential. And today, I am so honored to have Commander Mark Devine um, here with us. I've been studying mental toughness, competitor mindset, and I have his two books here. The Way of the Seal is how I was first introduced to Mark, and I had listened to it on audio. And then I was like, you know what? I need to get the book itself after listening to it on audio. And then after that, I went to The Unbeatable Mind. And uh, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Mark, and uh, such an honor to have you here today, Mark. Uh, most people think mental toughness uh, when they think of a Navy SEAL, and we have a decorated Navy SEAL here. Um, what they don't expect is a thoughtful, yoga, innovative, joking and laughing professor of leadership. And when I was reading about that you were, you know, this lighthearted professor, you know, you think of a Navy SEAL and it's very tactical, very strategic and very focused. And I can see how it comes into leadership. But when I heard, heard about the relaxed approach that you take, I was like, wow, this is something that people need to learn from you. Um, to really be able to have that sense of grace and being able to, I think the word I was thinking about is flow, allowing mm -hmm. things to flow organically in everything that you do, but also know when the time is right that that toughness needs to really show up. And uh, at 26, he graduated as an honored man, number one ranked trainee of Sales Buds Class 170. He served for nine years active duty and 11 as a reserve SEAL, retiring as commander in 2011. His leadership of teams was so effective that the government asked, tasked him with creating a nationwide mentoring program for SEAL trainees. And not only did he increase the quality of SEAL candidates, it reduced Bud's attrition rate up to 5%. And he's really taken a new approach to a fitness company and what's made his program so effective is, was his focus on more than just physical fitness. He's seen that laughter conquer fatigue and bonds of team as um, Bud's breaking point. Intuition saved his men during the hell of war and special ops missions. He knew he could form a fitness company that prepared civilians uh, for physical and mental and emotional demands of Na Navy SEAL-like lifestyle. So he started SEAL Fit, and uh, I'm really excited. I do have some questions about that that mental toughness and how what you do and have done as a Navy SEAL can translate into life and business and leadership. And also, he's an entrepreneur and professor, professor and a beetle of mine. At the same time as SEAL Fit was being, um, it was in its beginning. He co-founded Coronado Brewing Company. Uh, built the NavySeals.com, the leading website for SEAL gear and information, and launched a U.S. tactical and government 
contracting business, and he also served as an adjunct professor of leadership at the University of San Diego before the Navy called him to duty in the Iraq War. Through his teaching, entrepreneurial endeavors, travel to foreign countries, he's noticed the power of mental toughness, emotional resilience, intuitive leadership, and a healthy spirit for anyone wanting to break through performance. And they weren't solely for the combat or restricted to business or one culture. He's watched them transform their lives in every background, um, nation, and belief system. And so he wrote and self-published his first book, and that's The Unbeatable Mind, right here. And in 2011, he launched a home study program. And he's continuing to do more writing, and I'm really grateful for that. Three more books poured out in the turns, The Way of the Seal. And this one was uh, published by Reader's Digest. And in eight, and eight Weeks to Seal Fit and Kokora Yoga, both published by St. Martin's Press, writing his experience for others triggered a realization of a full circle journey. Grown, he grew up upstate New York, degree in economics, MBA from NYU, prepared his life to be this high-powered CPA, and left his high-paying finance career for adventurous life of a Navy SEAL officer. Now he's once again sought after by the same corporations and institutions as a trainer, mental toughness for the whole person training can be shaped and really healed him. Mark lives in uh, Encinita with his family and where he continues to train, explore, and learn from others and more resources to improve everyone's lives. And um, you are amazing. You wow, have uh, so many. That's a wrap <laughs> on our next podcast. We'll have <laughs> There's nothing left to talk about. That's and unbelievable. So many things simultaneously. <laughs> so um, in preparing for this interview, uh, Mark, I watched several podcasts and YouTube videos. And I was, one was I'm like, I can do a 45 second plank. He's talking about doing a 45 minute plank. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> right. But one of the things that- Anything is possible, Deborah. Anything is possible. possible. And I'm, and I'm going to be raising that bar, definitely, because of the speaking with you and learning from you. Um, but I was very intrigued by the one philosophy that you talk about is that one day, one lifetime. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's just such a, a powerful concept. I first heard that, you know, one of the things that really got me on my developmental path, like really a crack me wide open was uh, Zen meditation training, which I engaged in at 20, 20 years old, right? Young age of 20. Uh, I just moved down to New York uh, City to take the job uh, with Coopers and Libran, which is now PricewaterhouseCoopers. And uh, they sent me to NYU to get me. And anyway, so I, I started this, a martial arts practice and it just so happens the, you know, the founder of the whole school was my teacher and he was a Zen master. And so he, I just was fascinated with Zen and the whole, you know, what it did for my mind and, and uh, opened me up. At any rate, um, we could talk more about that, it's powerful, but every Thursday night we would do a Zen class after our hardcore karate class sitting for 45 to 50 minutes on a little wooden bench. And then he would do these little lectures. And one of the lectures he wrote these little, on a chalkboard, you know, a little old school chalk. And he, writ, he wrote it with, you know, precision of a Zen master, the kanji characters. And then underneath he would write the English translation and it was one day, one lifetime. And I was just thinking about that. And before he even said anything, I was just struck by that concept. And um, I've used it really to frame a lot of our training. And so just think, consider this, the life of the, you know, everybody has this warrior in them, the warrior archetype. And the warrior archetype is the person who has to like stand 
up and do what's right, both for themselves and for their family and for the world. And also simultaneously, as you're going about your daily life, you're going to get pushed, right? You're going to get pushed by other people. You're going to get pushed by society. You're going to get hit by serious challenges. And so the warrior is a person who stands their ground. This idea of stand is really important. So one of the stands of the warrior is to treat every day as if it could be your last. Mm. And you think about my, a lot of my Navy SEAL teammates. You know, I spent 20 years in the SEALs. I once tried to count how many of my teammates had passed on and were in Valhalla, you know, so to speak, you know, fighting a different battle. And I got past 20 and I got too depressed, right? And I was like, I can't do this. And so it really was a, a part of our lifestyle in this special operations is that, you know what, today's the day that I've got to do my best. I've got to be on my game. I've got to do everything in my power to learn everything I possibly can and to grow as much as I can and to be the best team I, as I can and to stay as mission focused as I can because it might be my last. And if you consider that today could be your last, then you make decisions a little bit differently than you, know, you would if it's just another day. And so the other thing that's really cool about that, and even the, uh, the Buddha said that you can find enlightenment in a single breath. So you can find your own version of enlightenment today if you pay close enough attention, right? If you're aware enough. Mm-hmm. The, the grounding of my, all my training is to develop that level of awareness so that we can find our own personal enlightenment, so to speak, mm-hmm. now right? Today. And if not today, then tomorrow, because tomorrow could be your last day. And we had a saying in the SEALs, the only easy day was yesterday. So if you got through yesterday, good on you. Well, now it's time to get busy because today's a new day and that's, that's all behind us. So we don't sit there and take a victory lap. You know, we, we get focused and figure out how are we going to be better today? And it's really about being purely intentional with every action that you take, every decision that you make. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So- and, and in order to do that, Deborah, you have to take control of the mind and the body and the emotions Mm -hmm. and you have to curate your inner domain to such a high level that every single thought every single emotion and every single action is what you allow in and what you decide to nurture and cultivate and you you basically learn to discard and to um, eradicate all the negativity all the regrets all the shadow and until all that's left is that pure willpower pure intention driven by your your spirit toward you know your calling in life which is you know for me it was a warrior and a leader and now it's as a warrior leader and teacher and you know every action is basically driven from that sense of you know that calling so the people that come to your programs like i'm thinking of myself because i'm very intrigued and you know watching the videos and i see a lot of men on there not and i'm thinking um would i be able to do that um and also do they have to be at a certain level of fitness to come and do some of the program that you have. Yeah. So first off, I'll say, you know, seal fit is not an exercise company and really isn't about physical fitness, even though we, we certainly uh, are, are adept at teaching that like we're experts. It is a character, it's character development. And you alluded to that. So with character development, the way we define it is to become integrated and whole as a human being to become whole as a human being. You you require that you bring your body along, right? It's, it's not something like as we get into more advanced stages of mental toughness, then you don't need your body and you just kind of leave it there while you develop your mind. That's false. Our philosophy is that the body is the mind. Um, the brain is an organ of the body, your heart. So the three primary brains you have are the head brain, the heart brain, and the gut brain. 
All of them have neurological processing power. All of them are part of your mind, but they're just organs in your body that happen to have various discrete functions to help you uh, perceive reality and to make meaning of, of what's happening in the world. So when we train uh, students and starting with SEAL candidates and special ops candidates, like you alluded to through SEAL Fit, we're really trying to develop their whole mind, which includes the body. So we start with the physical development and that not, doesn't mean just becoming fit like a SEAL. So if you come in, you, you would start with physical development that is appropriate for you. That means getting your body back into balance. The primary mechanism for that is breathing. Secondary mechanism for that is hydration. Third mechanism for that is effective fueling for your body type and, and what your needs are physically. So a Navy SEAL candidate's gonna have to fuel differently than Deborah will. And then uh, rest and recovery to make sure you're getting enough sleep and recovery, all these things that affect your homeostatic balance. Now that we've got that taken care of, that's gonna affect the quality of the brain, the heart and the gut, which are gonna affect the quality of your thinking. Now we can start to work on the mental, the emotional and the intuitive aspects of your, um, of your mind. And so those require more of uh, inner focus, inner exercise, so to speak, as opposed to outer. And uh, that's where kind of the, most of the Unbeatable Mind story picks up and the SealFit story leaves off, right? And so I have two companies. One is SealFit, which trains special operators and people who want to get physical. And the other is called Unbeatable, which really trains executives and leaders and entrepreneurs in how to like optimize their life through this whole body-mind development so they can access more potential, perform at the peak, connect at a deeper level with other human beings, and to serve more powerfully in the world. Yeah. So anybody can do it. It's really scalable and adaptable. And to be honest, not everyone is supposed to train like a Navy SEAL. It's just not, it's not going to be healthy for most individuals. It may just flat out kill them, you know? Right. See, and I think it, and the reason I think that is that you have to perform at that place to get to that place of mental toughness, but you don't. It, but it starts internally, that holistic approach right. of really developing that unbeatable mind. Right. To me, mental toughness is not about being the hardest person in the room, right? And so, you know, I've got SEAL teammates who kind of come from that very kind of hard aspect, right? Like, just do it. You know, don't be a pussy. <laughs> you can yeah. cut that word out if you want. <laughs> don't, be, don't be weak, right? Right. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I like the metaphor of there's times when it's appropriate to be the mighty oak. And then there's times where it's appropriate to be the, you know, the reed that's totally flexible and will bend. You know, if there's a tsunami coming, I choose the reed because the mighty oak's going to get swept away and destroyed but the reed will just bend with the water and then it'll pop back up afterwards so mm -hmm. it's kind of very very much of an east and west merging of, of concepts where it's okay to develop that kind of like i can get this thing done i can move mountains i can build mm -hmm. whatever i want at the same time that usually breaks people either the individual leader or the people in their his his or her organization yeah. and or their family right and so we want to um we want to be able to accomplish our worthy deeds in the world without breaking. And so in, in that requires the, that we cultivate a great sensitivity for the soft side, right? To be flexible, to be pliable, to not be so attached to the outcomes in life, to be a really good person, genuinely caring of other individuals, generally caring of, all, of the planet and mother earth who you know, sustains us, generally caring about the global commons and, and everybody else at the same time, 
not giving up our uniqueness and embracing, you know, what we're meant to do in our world, in our life. Right. And that's that you call, you know, that could be like your calling, I guess is the word I've been using. Yeah. So there really is this kind of yin and yang, the hard, the soft. And the way we teach it is that the, the yin or the soft isn't, you know, it's not weak. It's actually where most of your strength comes from. Right. And some people look at it as masculine and feminine, and they have this misconception that masculine is hard and strong and feminine is soft and weak. The reality is they both have their strengths and weaknesses, but the, the, the flexibility, the pliability is spontaneity, the being able to relax into something and to see a broader perspective and to connect deeper. That's the yin. That's the more feminine qualities. And leaders need to develop that male and female because a lot of females don't have that either. But then when it's time to take a stand and to let's go out and, and kick butt, that's the masculine or the yang quality. And so you need that as well. And so we call it the difference or the contrast between potential and performance. Performance is all outside of you, getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. And potential is all inside of you. It's like the, where the wind is first created, where your vision evolves. And um, the more potential you develop, the, the more performance that you'll enact in the world. And also the other uncanny thing is the more potential developed, the more balanced you are in the world, right? Balance between hard and soft, between mm -hmm. push and pull, between force and power. Because potential, the only way to develop that potential is to begin, or to, let me say it a different way. As you go down the path of developing that internal potential, you begin to soften, right? Because you go from just being a physical being to now being a physical mental being to being a physical mental emotional and then to being physical mental emotional and intuitive and then ultimately to, to being a deeply spiritual human being because you're going through the different layers of your being mm -hmm. to accessing your spiritual center and then bringing that out into the world and we use the term kokoro which means warrior spirit or whole mind and they're synonymous in the way we use that term so anyways, that was a long-winded explanation to try to explain why softness is good to balance out the hardness. Yeah. So it has to do a lot with the emotional intelligence, that self-awareness piece, um, really being able to being not only scan for dangers, but you're scanning how people are reacting to you at any given point and being able to right. be that read and flex in conversation uh, situations so that you show up as your best. That's absolutely right. I mean, um, emotional development. So we have five capacities and I've alluded to them that we develop at our company physical. And that means really homeostatic balance and being able to mm -hmm. take, you know, take a stand and hold your stand mental, which is whole mind development, emotional, which you just talked about, which is really starts with emotional awareness. And then emotional control, because a lot of times we torpedo our best efforts because we, we lack emotional control, right? So we triggered by something and all of a sudden we have this outburst or anger or anxiety or jealousy or rage or whatever, you know, the emotion du jour is or the pattern is, all of a sudden it trips you up. So we, we develop great control over that, but that doesn't necessarily end there. Now we got to develop the capacity to <clears throat> engage with those uh, shadow sides of us that are the recurring patterns in our life that trip us up or, or hold us back. So that's mm -hmm. like the real work of emotional development, you know, happens after the awareness and the control, right? Because the control is like the hard, that's the yang. It's like, I'm just going to control myself. I'm not going to show any of my emotions. I'm going to put this mask on. And that works like in a board meeting, but 
it doesn't work when I'm connecting one-on-one or one-to-many with my team. Right. And so I really need to then go deeper to become more open. And that's where the heart opening comes in. Now, what's cool, the fourth is intuition. To me, intuition is like the deep intelligence of your heart and your gut and also the, the insight of your perceiving mind, not in rational judgment, judging mind, but your perceiving mind. If we are all in our head, we never hear those signals. If we're, if we're not emotionally aware and controlled and have the ability to really make sense of the emotional intelligence that we have, then we're not going to hear the intuitive signals. And so that's why the emotion or the intuitive intelligence just kind of springs forth after we do the mental and emotional development because we're able to hear the signals and make meaning of the signals of our gut, our heart, and our perceiving brain which is different than emotions, right? Getting intuitive signals is different than emotions. So that's a really more of advanced training. And then ultimately the, the, the fifth I mentioned is this word Kokoro. And that is about getting, gaining great clarity about who you are as a person, why you're on this planet, what you're gonna do about it. And then you know, creating a mission plan and going and executing with your hair on fire. I want to just, Mark, I just want to tap into something that you said that like this weekend I was watching these dancers and as I was watching these performers, I could see the ones that were in their head, you know, counting the beats, making sure, looking around, you know, peripherally to see that they were making the right steps. And then there was one front and center that she was just dancing from her heart. So, and you know, there's been times that someone will say, well, that person's in their head. They're not coming from their heart. How do you merge the two? What has been your experience with that? It takes, it, my experience is for most people, vast majority of human beings, it takes practice, right? It's something that can be learned and it takes practice. Um, let's use your dancing example or like I'm a lifetime martial artist. Dance and martial arts have a lot of similarities. There is a certain level of um, fundamental learning of the movements and, 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 and mastering of the basic skills of dance or of a martial arts movement like Tai Chi or I, I study Tai Chi and Aikido right now. And um, when you learn those fundamental movements as a beginner, you, you are in your head because you have to memorize and then you have to like think about what you learned and try to recreate that mm. movement or that action in the real world. But as we develop some skill at it and we kind of master that movement, now we can let go of the thinking and remembering and just let it flow spontaneously. Now, that still doesn't mean necessarily you're in your heart. It can mean that you're just kind of like flowing spontaneously. But what generally will happen, assuming you have a passion for it, then you begin to, because you're out of your head, it opens up channels. When you're in your thinking mind, it's literally a, a very discrete function of your brain. But once you train and develop to where you've mastered the basics and now you don't have to think and you're just moving, now you're moving with your body mind or your whole mind. If you've opened yourself up through passion to the energy of the act of the martial art or of the dance, then your heart is actually engaged as part of your whole mind. And that's what we see when we see someone throwing their heart into it or really moving from their heart is that their heart is engaged in the action because it's part of their mind system that's really moving. They're moving from that kind of heart center. And um, yet if someone isn't passionate about it, maybe they're, you know, maybe it's a job, they can still master the movements and they can perform those movements somewhat spontaneously, but because their heart isn't in it, because they're not passionate about it, they've kind of closed that aspect down 
And so it still seems like they're mechanical, even though they've mastered the movements. Does that make sense? Yes. That's why yeah. the, the most effective, the most, you know, the, the people that we hold to the highest standard, not only have them mastered the, the tactics and the strategies and all the, everything, you know, and they, they can perform something flawlessly, but they also bring their whole mind, which means body, mind, and spirit into the act. And uh, people feel that energy and they feel that, you know, selflessness and it just flows beautifully. Yeah, and so. it also taps into what you said about there's that trust in yourself, but also detaching from the outcome that's with right. that passion too. Right. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of an outcome, but it's also a practice. And this mm -hmm. idea of, of um, not grasping for, the win, not grasping to be the best, you know? And so, you know, you could say it's, it's about um, conquering the ego and that's one way to look at it, but yeah. you know, the ego always wants recognition. It always wants to be noticed. It always wants to be the best or to be the most competent or the best looking or whatever. And all, you know, some sort of, you know, um, extrinsic um, reinforcement of the egoic structures of the self. And as you develop whole mind, you recognize that none of that really matters. What really matters is the essential nature that lies deep inside of you. And so you begin to identify that as yourself. Like spiritual traditions say like the little s self and the big s self. Well, the big s self is your essential nature, your heart, you know, your, the experience of wholeness, integration. And when you begin to integrate and feel that wholeness, then you don't need things. You don't need people that keep telling you how great you are. You don't need the fancy car. You don't need, you know, hundred million dollars in the bank. None of that um, helps you. None of that is an identifier of who you are. It doesn't matter if you have it. I mean, I'm, what I'm suggesting is I'm not going to um, opine that those things are bad. I, I think it's fantastic. If someone's earned tens of millions of dollars, they should enjoy those tens of millions of dollars. At the, the likelihood of them, the type of person they have become to earn that money means that they're going to do a lot of good with that. You know what I'm saying? And this is like the essence of your podcast. If you become worthy, you become the type of person who's worthy of serving enough people who will then, you know, in turn, uh, bestow upon you $10 million it's likely that that $10 million is going to find its way back into the hands of people who need it more than you, you know, eventually. So I think it's all good. I'm just saying you're not going to be attached to that money. You're going to let it flow through you just like energy, just like chi flows through you. And, um, that's, and that, that all stems from this practice of our principle of non-attachment, non-grasping for those things that your ego desires, instead practicing your focus on the big ass self, the essential nature and then acting in the world from that and just letting, you know, letting the money and everything flow and uh, not grasping for it. Cause when you grasp for it, you kind of stop the flow. Mm -hmm. So one of the, when we're talking about intention, how do you set up your intention for the day? Do you have a certain morning routine that you do follow? Absolutely. First of all, it is built upon this idea of integration and wholeness. And that is a daily practice. And I've been working on that for many years and it's never, you're never done. There's no there there. It's just a journey, right? It's a lifetime of journey. It's a lifestyle. And through that work, I've gotten very clear about who I am, what I'm good at, what, you know, what I'm, I need to focus on in my life. And um, I've articulated that in what I call an ethos. 
And the ethos has a series of statements about what I'm passionate about, what I stand for, uh, what my vision is, what my purpose is, what my mission is, and what principles are going to guide my behavior. And I've got all that written down. And it actually is in this device because this happens to be pretty handy. And so, um, and I use it for a lot of other things. And so, uh, my morning ritual includes a, a it's a, it's a practice of uh, breath work, of visualization, visualizing my vision and, and accomplishing my mission, of um, gratitude and positivity, feeding the courage wolf, of some mindful movement to really align the whole body mind and get my, you know, to embody my, my essence and, and my mind. Um, and then uh, a review or a reconnection, I should say, with my ethos. So that I'm very clear as I step into the day, because this remember one day, one lifetime. So this is the preparation for the day so that I win it. Then to look at my plan for the day and to make sure that everything that I've uh, accepted onto my, into my life today, which is usually, oftentimes put on my calendar by my assistant or stuff I agreed to like months ago, to make sure that it all fits, right? So I looked at my schedule this morning. I said, okay, I've got a nine o'clock podcast, Millionaire Women with Deborah. Does that fit? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it fits because I can share, you know, some of my insights and some of my thinking with a new audience. Check, you know, then I've got another podcast. You know, this today happens to be a podcast day. I got two more. One with, one with uh, Scott Eastwood, Clint Eastwood's son. So I'm going to go up to LA and and meet him. That'll be a lot of fun. But you know, that's all. Check, check, check. But then I also have a birthday party for you know one of my team members and I've got to go do my, you know, my, I'm going to do my yoga class and do my, my physical training. And I, I've got it all in there, but I've got to be very disciplined. So I dirt dive my day. I see myself doing everything. I see myself doing it effectively and, and having everything go according to plan. And I also have the opportunity to say no to something in service to my bigger vision. Right. And I didn't have to today, but um, I will be prepared to, during the day as other stuff comes at you. And that's a really important principle is, you know, I lead through the day with no, because I've already architected every day from my morning routine. And of course I understand, you know, how many things can come at you during the day, how many requests and how many offers and how many this and that. Yeah. And so I'm always leading with no, unless it's so much more aligned to get me with toward my mission in alignment with my vision, so much more powerful then I can assess whether I can, you know, change my schedule and cancel something and, and add that instead. So it keeps me in control, 100% in control of what I can control. And what I can mm -hmm. control is my mental and emotional states, the thinking uh, patterns that are going to drive me toward my vision and mission. And um, I can also, also control my schedule because I'm an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. uh, in charge of that. So that's kind of nice. A lot, of, a lot of people don't control their own schedule. And so it gets a little bit more difficult. And having control over something versus what you can't control. Because I think people focus a lot on what they can't control. And that's where that frustration lies in. Absolutely. And um, mental toughness is what many would say for first responders, Olympic athletes, especially Navy SEALs. From mental toughness to the everyday person, how can a person develop their personal power and be the best version of themselves by developing that mental toughness? Well, let's start. Let's pick, pick up where you just finished off. A lot of people feel out of control because the world's moving really fast. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a lot of uncertainty and complexity and ambiguity. We call that VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. And so um, they feel out of control. And so, like you said, they look to regain control over external things, mm -hmm. other people, 
uh, their, their schedules, you know, their bosses, their kids, they, they look for control where they can't possibly find it. And so um, what we teach uh, like first responders and on Navy SEALs is, you know, first begin, take control back over what you can control, which is your physiological reaction to stress. And then once that's clear, because if you're all stressed out and anxious, then your mind is going to be out of, out of whack, out of balance. And you're going to, your, your mental patterning, meaning your thought patterns and your emotion patterns will be, those will be um, degrading your performance because they're going to be negative. You're going to be thinking, I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not feeling rested or I'm feeling stressed out or I got too much going on or I'm overwhelmed or I'm overly distracted. And all those thoughts then actually drag you down further because now you're, your mental and emotional patterns are, are essentially reinforcing the outer experience, right? Of being overwhelmed and, and being stressed. And these things in the outer world, they just are. They're not causing you to be stressed. You're causing yourself to be stressed and over anxious, right? So we teach them to take back control through a breathing practice we call box breathing of their physiology and to bleed off all that excess stress. Well, it just so happens that the brain and the heart and the belly the organs of the brain or of the mind are physical organs. And so when you begin to bleed off the stress of the body physiologically, then all of a sudden you start to, to feel the sense, sense of calmness and the sense of being grounded, right? And so um, mental and emotionally, that's very, um, that, that really leads to a lot of mental toughness. All of a sudden you can then start to pay attention more closely to the thought patterns and the emotional patterns and you can redirect them to more positive you know courageous type thinking and, and feeling and so you know consider like a firefighter heading into a fire right if they're thinking holy shit this is horrible i'm exhausted i can't do this this is heavy i can't carry this i'm not going to be able to do this and then all of a sudden every weak thought degrades your physical energy which degrades your performance so instead we teach them slow down your breathing which slows down your mind, then look at those patterns, be like, interdict them. No, not now. I need to be strong. Feed the courage wolf is a, is a saying we use to remind people, feed the courage wolf. And then, so what happens then their mind clicks in after some training and they begin to say, I got this. I'm a highly trained, you know, firefighter. This is a piece of cake. I've been here thousands of times before. Uh, I've got I, my, I got my teammates by my back. Um, I'm going to go crush this. Let's do this, right? And, so that, and then the emotions follow thought and emotions follow thought. Emotions follow thought, thought follows the breath. So the breath is in control, the thoughts begin to be in control and be positive and courageous. Then the emotions follow. And next thing you know, boom, you know, they're just on it. And, um, and then because of that level of internal control, they're able to discern what is the right action right now that's going to be the best and most powerful action for me to accomplish this mission. Mm -hmm. right? And so instead of the firefighter just rushing blindly into the building and not assessing the situation, he might say, okay, I'm in control. Let's do this. But let me assess the situation, confer with the team and say, okay, where's the structure, the strongest, and where do we go and enter this building? And then they make that decision and they go do it. And then they get some feedback and then they pause and they say, what's the next action? And so we chunk, you know, Navy SEALs, we chunk things down to the, to the action that's going to have the most positive impact. And we take that action, then we pause and we breathe into it and say, what's the next action? And so we call this micro goals, or ta micro goals and task orientation. Mm -hmm. What I described to you right now um, is probably like uh, 
it's basic training for our seal fit and unbeatable mind training where we teach this right out of the gate. We call it the big four skills of mental toughness. First is breath control. Second is mental control and positive internal dialogue. Third is, I didn't go into this, but this is important too, but imagery, having an image of success of the wind. This is where the training is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, having, you know, the firefighter first time has no mental representation of what it's going to be like to fight that fire. You can't, like if you and I just jumped into a firefighter suit, like we wouldn't have any imagery associated with how do we, right. how do we win this fight? But, you know, through thousands of hours of repetitious training, the firefighters have this mental image and they're able to draw that back into their mind like a map. Mm-hmm and to see you know, how to navigate the situation. That's really critical. And then the fourth is chunking it down to the smallest task that you know is gonna link and lead you toward victory. And then you just link these tasks until you have so much momentum, so much success in these micro tasks that victory is assured. Yeah. It's all about the next step, that, the next step creating that momentum. That's right. And well, the micro task allows you to create the momentum until you're unstoppable. And the other three skills allow you to maintain control over the only thing you can control. And that's the inner domain, not the outer domain. So I do have a personal question to ask you when it comes to yoga. So I've done a number of triathlons. So I'm used to the endurance of going from swim, bike, run. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've attempted yoga three times forcing myself to stay there till the end of class. And whenever I go to yoga, I feel trapped. Mm -hmm. I feel that my mind is moving like the triathlon Mm -hmm. and my body and mind cannot match up into the alignment, I guess, um, the speed. And my mind, mind wants to keep moving. And I have a, I can, all three classes has gotten a little bit better, but I feel like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. (laughs) Because <laughs> I can't yeah. get my mind to stay in that spot. I can walk in um, nature or be in silence and calm my mind there, but in yoga. So I, I thought I would you say were you the don't... perfect person to ask. This yeah, question. so here, here's the thing. Um, what you're doing really isn't yoga. That's uh, group fitness okay. in, stretch, in stretchy pants, right? Uh, yoga is the science of mental development. And the physical postures of yoga are meant to be very personal, very customized to a person's body type, done very slow and methodically. And they're designed to essentially get the body back into balance so that you could um, sit in meditation and more comfortably for long periods of time. That's what the physical postures of yoga were uh, originally designed for. And when they were kind of ported over to the West, they were conflated. They become conflated to group exercise. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My book and practice called Kokoro Yoga. Again, Kokoro means whole mind. It's essentially a practice for individuals to regain whole mind through a personal practice. And it integrates physical postures along with some courage building exercises like self-defense moves and some functional fitness, but all very scalable and doable with no, you know, the only tool we ever use for the fitness is, is a kettlebell. And um, every session integrates breath, movement, meditation in the form of either concentration or visualization or like sake, what we call sacred silence, which is what you just alluded to, just sitting mm-hmm. in silence, clearing your mind. And most importantly, it's meant to be a home practice and one that you design intelligently for your needs, right? Because the yoga, 
the, the integrated yoga that you use in the spring is going to be different than the fall. The yoga that you use as a 20 year old is going to be different than as a 60, 55 or 60 year old. Yeah. The yoga you use in the morning is going to be different than the yoga you, you would use at night. And so that's why, you know, just trying to cram everyone into one single yoga class and expect that one size fits all. It's not yoga. That's exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, yoga is, was meant to be a personal practice of evolution for evolutionary awareness to evolve to your highest potential and to evoke the integrated whole mind experience, which the yogis called um, nirvana, not nirvana. That was actually more of a Zen concept. But, um, you know, this idea of union or yoking your spirit and your mind together to experience that wholeness and that bliss that comes from that. So that's really what yoga is. And yoga and, and our program on Build Mind have a lot in common, but yoga is a lot of people have difficulty with it because it's, you know, it really is a different culture. It's, you know, it comes from the Indian subcontinent culture. And um, most of the yoga that's been ported over to the United States still maintains a lot of that language and a lot of the mythology of that culture. And it doesn't, you know, satisfy everyone. You know, I started using a lot of the principles of yoga because I believe in the recovery and the movement and the flexibility. And I believe in the, um, obviously believe in the power of the breath. And a lot of that comes from yoga and even martial arts comes from yoga, believe it or not. Right. Back far enough. So the tools are perennial. The tools are extraordinarily valuable. They're a gift to humanity. But when I started teaching Navy SEAL candidates, I, I couldn't use like Sanskrit terms like, you know, uh, Namaste, my Navy SEAL candidates. <laughs> I can just see it now. <laughs> Krishna with you as you go through buds, right? It's no, they would have just thought I was an idiot and laughed me out of the room. And so, if, you know, I said I had to strip the foo out of the kung fu and teach it, you know, in a yeah. new form, right? I teach it in English. I had to simplify it. I had to let go of all the mythology and, um, None of that really resonates. I mean, some, I, I think it's intriguing, but it doesn't resonate with me either because it's not my culture. It's not my mm-hmm. spiritual background or grounding. Right. And so, but the tools and the principles are absolutely spot on. They just need to be adapted for the modern warrior and leader. And that's what I've done with my Kokoro yoga program. So I highly encourage you, I'll offer you a free membership. You know, it's an, we have an online training and I have a book and you can learn how to basically do Yoga can be done in five to 15 minutes in the morning as part of your morning routine or when you get home from work. You don't need to spend all that time going to the yoga studio and you know, feeling like you're racing through some flow. In fact, to, to be fair, most of the most effective yoga has no flow, no up dog, down dog, up dog, down dog. You know, you know that's exercise. It's like holding one pose and really, really getting into the mind in yeah. that pose. First, using the pose as a focal point for concentration and letting go of that so you can go deep into the breath and, and the experience. It might hold that for three to four or five minutes, you know, and then wow. move on to the next. Yeah, wow. so it's a whole different experience. Yeah. Wow. I have so many questions to ask you, and um, I'll, I'll ask just a couple more because I know that uh, you have uh, more things, more podcasts to do today. The journey to self-mastery involves a lot of repetition. Do you ever get bored with repetition? And what do you do be- when you become complacent? You know, the whole mindset of one day, one lifetime is like a complacency killer. Like if, if today is your last day, then, you know, 
there's no room for complacency. Secondarily, the training of developing your ethos to be radically clear about what you're passionate about, what your purpose is, and what your principles are, so you can have a, a laser focus on that one main thing, that one main mission you're driving toward. Then you tend to like discard and declutter a lot of things and you become radically focused. And so it just so happens everything you do you're, is super important to you. Um, you don't waste time on the unimportant stuff. So um, when things are important to you, you tend to be passionate about them. Now, specifically speaking, there's certain things which are meant to be done repetitively. Um, and those are the things that lead us deeper into our sense of self. And so let's, let's take breath control practice or our movement practice or meditation or concentration. You could think, well, this is really boring. I'm doing the same thing every day. But the reality is you're getting better at it every day. So the experience, and you bring a different version of yourself to it every day. So the experience is different every day. So it's never the same. Even though it's repetitive, it's never the same. You are different, right? And so because you're different, it's a, it's a, it's a brand new exploration. It's like you're seeing, the, you know, it's like walking the same forest patch every day and seeing brand new group of animal friends and, you know, seeing trees in the different way and, and the fauna and seeing the change of the seasons. It's different every single day and you're different every single day. And that, when you begin to notice those things, that's really exciting, right? And then, then you become really passionate about, let's see who shows up today, right? On the mat, in my meditation, in my box, you know, in my breathing practice. Let's see who shows up and let's see how much further down the path to self-discovery I can make it today. And that's extremely motivating, you know, and, and here's one last thing I'll say, Deborah, you know, Miyamati Masashi was a famous swordsman, martial artist. He wrote a book called the book of five rings. One of the biggest takeaways from this was it's better to do one technique 10,000 times than 10,000 techniques one time each. Like it would be maddening thinking of that to do so many different things every day to try something new or every week. And every, and this is a problem with our culture is like everyone's chasing after the next shiny thing. You know, they'll, they'll head down one path and their, their friend says, Hey, I, I started this other thing. Go check it out. And they're like, okay, maybe that's, maybe the answer is over there. And so they run over there and they start that. And then someone says, you know what, you should try this because this really worked for me. And they jump over to that and they never stick with one thing that's going to lead them up the mountain path to their integrated whole self. There are thousands of different paths. Just stay on one until you reach the summit. See that they all come together anyways at the top. So right. if you keep bouncing around, you always stay at the base of the mountain, right? So find a path and stick with it. Unbeatable mind is our path, which is a path of integration. And we believe that it accelerates your journey because you're integrating physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and that Kokoro whole mind. And when you operate from whole mind, you're able to take in more information, assess more, uh, assess situations quicker, act with way more intuitiveness and spontaneity, act with kind of like that concept of sometimes I need to be the, the reed that bends and sometimes I need to be the sturdy oak that stands its ground. And, um, you know, the path up the mountain is uh, a lot steadier, a lot wider and clear, and uh, you can travel it a lot quicker. We've learned so much from you today, Mark, and I can be talking with you for a long, long time because I have not even close to the number of questions I was still having I to, wanted to okay. ask you, and we'll have to have you back hopefully at another time. Um, be happy to, yeah. I would love for you to share with everybody how could they stay in touch with you 
how could they learn more about developing that unbeatable mind? I know they can get the book, The Way of the Seal and The Unbeatable Mind, which I highly, highly recommend. You have videos on YouTube. Where else? Well, um, unbeatablemind.com, we have a ton of training. So this is where you're, you need to come to join us at our three-day Unbeatable Mind experience where we go deep into all these principles in person, myself and my coaches. And uh, for people who are really physically like want to challenge themselves, then SealFit is our crucible challenge business. So there's a ton of information at SealFit.com. My personal website, markdevine.com, has my blog and it has this podcast and, and, and information about, you know, what's coming up. That is actually just getting launched. So it's, uh, you know, that'll be evolving. And of course, you know, you can follow us on social media like anybody else. But um, love to help out anybody who, uh, you know, is interested in wholeness and integration. And I know everyone listening is, but they, they're probably curious of what that looks and feels like. So. Awesome. Awesome. And the one thing that I do want to leave with you, Mark, and maybe you've had people tell you this all along um, throughout your journey, you have this strength, but also this, this calm aura around you that draws people to you to want to say, how do I have, how can I have that? Yeah, so I, I want to thank you for sharing that with us today. Yeah, I think it's important. Again, the warriors always lead by example and lead from the front. And so I can't teach things that I'm not very, you know, practicing every single day. And so I like to think that I'm a, a living embodiment. And this isn't my ego talking, I hope, but I'm living embodiment of this idea that you can, you can be strong and kick ass, you know? I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't, I can't even tell you how much stronger I am as a result of this training and I'm 55 and, and routinely can crush the 23 year old maybe seal candidates in the physical stuff, but you know, I'm not, you know, necessarily drawn. It's not an ego thing. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, it's more about that internal strength that you're talking about. That's really where the hardest part of the journey. It's the hardest work. And to me, that's the, that's the most exciting. Right. And so I spend probably more time training every day than I do working because it's that important and it's, it's really exciting and fun. Fantastic. And I look forward to the day that we do meet in person because, you know, I'll be on it. I'll be on it because mental toughness has been something that I've continued to love studying um, through Navy SEAL, through um, first responders. And uh, I think it's essential for all of us to have in all areas of life. And when you develop that and that whole mind body integration, you can accomplish such amazing things. I agree. You can accomplish the right things. Absolutely. Intentional. Absolutely. Thank thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Thank you to our listeners and our viewers for coming on to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we focus on leadership, business, and human potential, really helping you grow and step into living your life rich from the inside out. I'd love for you to go over to iTunes, Spotify, give us a high five and write us a review. We would love to hear from you. Also go over to www.debrakazowski.com where you can sign up for our Success Secrets newsletter so you don't miss a single beat. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to be see in the world. And as always, from Mark and myself, we're going to wish you a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.